Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, it's so great to be together with you today. And I want to invite you right before we start, no matter if you're watching this alone or whether you are with friends or family, that doesn't matter. But I want to invite you to make sure that you take out your Bible, whether it's your phone and you're using an app or whether it's the good old fashioned paperback. I want to invite you to make sure that you have your Bible open with you or next to you with a cup of coffee or tea as we dive into God's word together. If you are with people, I would also like to ask you a second request. Can I invite you to turn to the person next to you and tell them these three words? If you're by yourself, there's no shame in talking to yourself. (laughs) Remember that as well. So whether you're with people or not, I want you to share with the person next to you or just either with yourself these three words. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, friends. That is the best news that you and I get to celebrate today on Resurrection Sunday. And it's this, Jesus is no longer a suffering servant. He is no longer that frail, broken body, that broken image of a man on a cross that you or I maybe grew up with, those pictures in church or that. He is no longer that. He is no longer on a cross. He is no longer busy suffering. He is no longer dead and in a grave. Today, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive and well. That's why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sunday is literally the most important element when it comes to your Christian faith and my faith. You see, if there was no Resurrection Sunday, then Good Friday wouldn't be good at all. If there was no Resurrection Sunday, our faith would be useless. It would be meaningless if Jesus never actually rose from the dead. And Paul actually writes about that. And I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Open it up there as we dive into God's word together. But Paul writes about this very thing from verse 17. He writes, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sin. If Jesus Christ never rose from the dead and never conquered death and sin and pain and guilt and shame, then friends, our faith in Him would be useless and we would still be condemned. We would still live with that banner of guilt over our lives. He goes on to write in verse 18, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. If that's the case, if He never rose from the dead. I'm gonna go on to verse 20 where he writes, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has also begun through another man, writing about Jesus and his resurrection. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ has been given a new life. 
I want to ask you a question. It's this. Have you ever benefited from trading something with someone? Now, I remember as a, a young kid, a small child, that we would always play trading games with one another, especially at school. You would have a deck of cards with certain characters or powers or strengths or weaknesses or maybe even just a set of tokens, a game that you would play, trading with your friends so that you could, you know, complete your set or complete the collection that you have. But the key to this game was that you always needed to go trade with a friend that would benefit you the most at the end of the day. So to complete my set, you know, or to finish the collection that I'm busy with, that friend I would go and trade with. Now that might be a silly example, but I want to illustrate this. The life, death and resurrection of Jesus, friends, brought about a trading transaction. It brought about an exchange that took place. And that's exactly what we've been exploring over these few weeks. We've been exploring the, the great exchange that took place, not only at the moment where Jesus died, but specifically the moment where he was raised to a triumphant and victorious life. We've explored different concepts, like how he exchanges our guilt for his grace, how he exchanges our shame for his righteousness. Last week, we explored the idea of how he exchanges our pain for his authority. And that brings us to today, the, the final exchange that took place the moment Jesus died, but especially the moment he was raised again to life. The greatest exchange of them all. And that's the exchange from death to life. Now, let me ask you this. What is the meaning of life? Now, I know what you're thinking. Like that is way too deep a question to ask this time of day, wherever you might be watching this from. Now, don't be intimidated by that question. Let's make it even more personal, even more practical. If I were to ask you, what is the meaning of your life? What would that be? Let's make it even more practical. Why are you here? Why are you breathing in and breathing out? What is the purpose of your life? What's the meaning of your life? Now, if that's too intimidating, don't stress too much about that. But for a lot of us, we might simply answer and just go, the meaning of my life is to be successful. Successful in my education, successful in my vocation, maybe just successful in my relationships. I want to lead a good life at the end of this life. I think that's a, a safe space where a lot of us might find ourselves at this moment. I just wanna have a good life at the end of my life. I want to in some way have a meaningful life. I wanna be successful. Now, the problem with that way of thinking, friend, is that way of thinking, striving to be successful, striving to find purpose, striving to find meaning, that always places the burden of proof for significance where? On my own shoulders. That simply means I need to prove myself. I need to make sure I'm successful. I need to make sure I have a purpose. I need to do this and this and this to make sure that my life amounts to something at the end. And that's not the life Jesus has in mind for you and me. This is why Resurrection Sunday is so important. 
this is why we celebrate it. Because you see, the death of Jesus was not the final act. If you thought that that was pretty amazing and that that was the climax of everything, friend, that's not the climax. I said it at the start as well. But Resurrection Sunday is only Resurrection Sunday because of Good Friday. But if there was no Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday wouldn't be Good Friday at all. Because you see that moment, the moment on the cross where Jesus surrenders his life and he dies, he cries out, it is finished. A lot of us might know that. You might have heard that a lot. The moment Jesus dies, he declares, it is finished. But now I want to ask you, what did he mean? What was finished? What was he referring to when he made the statement, it is finished? You see, Jesus was not speaking about his suffering at that moment. He wasn't busy saying, finally, it is finished. My suffering is done. I can now just die and get this over with. He wasn't saying, finally, it is done. My life on earth and I can now do something else. He was not saying, finally, this horrible day, the unjust way that I have been treated, the wrongful trial that I just had to go through, the unfair torture and all those things. He wasn't saying that those things are simply finished. He was saying all of it was finished. Now, what do I mean by all of it? I mean the following, all the rule keeping and law obeying of the old covenant, it is finished. All the blood offerings that had been necessary for people to just get a fraction of God's presence and forgiveness over their lives, it is finished. The physical and spiritual separation that put a chasm and a distance between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, it is finished. The need for a priest or a pastor to go to God on your behalf because he or she is more holy than you, it is finished. The need for a physical temple, a building to house God's presence, it is finished. The need to repent again and 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 again again, it is finished. When Jesus died, all of that died with him. The distance died. Shame died. Guilt died. Pain died. All those things died along with Jesus. And those things he made a statement over saying, it is finished. I have done enough. And when Jesus walked out of the grave on Sunday morning, friends, he walked out of that grave with a victorious, triumphant, resurrected life. But that same life that he walked out with is available to you and me. That's the exchange, our death for his life. Now let's turn our, our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 6. As you turn to Romans chapter 6, I want to ask you this, what makes you more excited? The fact that one day you get to be with Jesus in heaven when all of this is done, or the fact that you can have access to a new triumphant, victorious, resurrected life right here, right now. Now let me make this clear. We are allowed to be excited about heaven 
absolutely. We are allowed to look forward to that day when all of this will no longer be here and we finally get to be with Him in complete perfection in a new earth. All those things, you're allowed to be excited about those things. But if that's your only hope, friends, then you are missing out on a major part of the gospel of Jesus. You see, the gospel of Jesus is not only now one day I get to go to heaven gospel. If I can put it bluntly, friends, Jesus did not conquer sin and death so that you and I could sit around waiting for Afbob to come and collect our dead bodies one day. That's not why he did what he did. He conquered sin and death and was raised to a new life so that we also could be raised to a new life in the here and now. And that's what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 6. In verse 4, he writes, For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also lead new lives. Just a quick note, this is why we celebrate baptism. The, the expression of this death and being raised to a new life in the Christian faith finds its expression in baptism. He goes on to write, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life just like he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Friend, do you realize that sin has lost its power over you? We love that song, don't we? I'm no longer a slave to fear and I'm no longer a slave to sin. And we sing all those songs, but is it merely a song that you sing or do you realize that sin has no hold on you? Death has no hold on you. You see, because that changes the way we look at things like temptations, doesn't it? He goes on to write, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. There it is again. Sin has no power over my life anymore. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. That's the resurrected life. That's the resurrection life that is available to you and me right here, right now. It's not the one day resurrection. It's not the one day new life. It's the new life right now. Now, this might not be news to you, but it was news to me at first. But note that Paul, this specific passage, Paul wasn't writing to a bunch of dead people. That was not the case. He didn't send this letter to a graveyard to be buried with a bunch of dead people. That is not what happened. He was writing to living, breathing people, people that were alive. And let's just note again what he writes in verse 8. And since we died with Christ, we will now wait for heaven with him. Just kidding. That's not what it says. That's actually from the WTV, the wrong translation version. So don't ever read that. Instead, Paul writes, since we died with Christ, we will what? We will also live with him. That's the resurrection life. Again, he goes on to say in verse nine, we are sure of this. How do we know any of this is true? How can I know that any of this is reliable? Why? Because Christ was raised from the dead. He'll never die again. That's why Resurrection Sunday is so important for us because Christ was raised. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. 
But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. And he ends that by saying, so you also should consider yourself dead to the power of sin and fully alive to God through Jesus Christ. Death has lost its power, friends, completely. George Herbert, he was a 17th century poet and he often wrote about Jesus in his poems. Actually, and I want to read you a one, just one line from one of the poems that he wrote actually about death in the gospel. He wrote, death used to be an executioner. The gospel makes him a gardener. Isn't that incredible? He writes about how the great equalizer one day physical death, but even how spiritual death, that separation, the chasm between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man, it used to be an executioner. It used to be a death sentence upon the lives of anyone until Jesus came. The gospel makes him a gardener. I love, I love the way he says that. Are you an alive Christian? Or are you still walking around in your grave clothes? I think one of the most powerful resurrection accounts that we have in the Bible is probably the resurrection of Lazarus. Is it not in John chapter 11? I want to encourage you to go and read that. But the moment Jesus calls Lazarus from the grave, from literal death, he calls him out of that space. And miraculously it happens. Lazarus wakes up from being dead. He gets up, he gets out of the grave. And what does Jesus do next? He says to Lazarus and he says to those around Lazarus, take off his grave clothes. I find that to be very significant because how many times do we as resurrected, fully alive followers of Jesus still walk around with grave clothes entangling us, keeping us from living in that new resurrected life. Oftentimes we are alive already. The exchange has already taken place, but I'm still walking around in my grave clothes. I haven't fully walked into or stepped into that new resurrection life that is available for me here and now. Now, throughout this series, we've been using the image of trees a lot. And the reason for that is in Isaiah 61, um, the writer writes about Jesus, but he also writes about us. In verse three, Isaiah prophesies that Jesus would be the one to bring ultimate joy, ultimate restoration, ultimate right standing, so that we could be called, so that you and I could be called oaks of righteousness. We live out this exchange from death to life by living from the knowledge and the experience of being loved, firstly, being righteous and bearing fruit, being fruitful. Firstly, just like trees are rooted, rooted in good fertile soil full of nutrients and water, you and I, friend, are to be rooted in Christ's love, firstly, 
that's living the new and resurrected life. That simply means that other things no longer determine who I am. Success doesn't determine who I am. My relationships don't determine who I am. My bank account does not determine who I am. Christ's love determines who I am. John 17 verse three says, this is the way to have eternal life, the new resurrected life that is available for you and me right now, right here. It says to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Secondly, living in that new and resurrected life means living righteously. Have you ever seen a tree apologize for where it's standing? Trees aren't apologetic, are they? Especially in our city, it's a regular thing to see tree roots actually breaking up solid concrete paving in the roads to make way for them, okay? Trees don't apologize for where they are. Trees stand tall because that is who they are. That is their identity. Living in the new and resurrected life means I live righteously, I live tall, I live boldly. Why? So that the glory of God can be made clearer and clearer. And then lastly, living out that great exchange from death to life means being fruitful. It's the most natural thing, friends, for an orange tree to bear oranges. It's the most natural thing for an apple tree to bear apples. You don't see fruit trees squeezing out fruit and trying their very best to make a success of things. No, why? Because they're rooted in the soil they need to be rooted in. They have access to fresh life-giving water. Bearing fruit is the most natural thing for a fruit tree to do. Psalm 1 verse 3 describes a righteous person. It writes, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit every season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. That's living the new and resurrected life that is available to you and to me because of Resurrection Sunday. That's the greatest exchange that ever took place, friends. The fact that Jesus took upon my death and your death, the death that we were supposed to die, and He died that on our behalf so that we could live in a new life. I want to end off by making this invitation. Have you ever heard that call of Jesus calling you from death to life? Have you ever heard Him on the outside of your grave calling Lazarus, Lazarus, get up out of your grave, get stand up from death. Have you had that moment? If not, I wanna invite you to take a few minutes right now and pray and ask Jesus to help you step out of death, step out of that grave. And then just a second invitation. If you've already had that call, you've already experienced Jesus call you from death to life, but you're still walking around in your grave clothes. You're still caught up in filthy rags made for dead people and you're not a dead person, you're an alive person. If that's you, I wanna end off by praying together for all of us that we would boldly step into that resurrected life that Jesus has available for us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you 
that the death that you died and the resurrection life that is possible, Father, because of your victory over sin, shame, guilt, pain, death, and everything that separated your holiness and our nature has been completely removed. We celebrate that today on Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the fact that we can boldly enter that new life just like you did, Jesus, because you were the front runner. You were the first one to do that on our behalf and it was enough for us to step into that. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you today. Enjoy your time with some family and friends. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.